Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If you've been with us... Uh, Just by show of hands, who's been with me in John chapter 8? Then you do know, of course, that Jesus is about six months away from the crucifixion. And he's been making some fantastic claims about himself. Some are beginning to believe and some continue in unbelief. But just because they don't believe doesn't change the message. Say amen. Jesus Christ came confronting them with some claims that he is God. That he came down from God. I told you on every page, in every chapter, in every incident, you hear Jesus claiming to be the Son of God. But the thing that I want you to notice is here in chapter 8, the antagonism of the Jewish leaders is growing. And as the antagonism, watch me, as the antagonism of the Jewish leaders is growing, the directness of Jesus and the statements that he makes about himself is growing. Did you catch that? As their rejection becomes more obvious, he turns on them more negatively. The stronger the rejection, the stronger the indictment he makes against them. The more they show him hatred, the more he strikes piercing blows at their hypocrisy. The harder they are on him, the harder he is on them. He never backs off. He never slows up. Why? Because Jesus is not afraid of them. And Jesus knows that they're not the boss of him. Amen. You you say, you ain't the boss of me. They ain't the boss of him. Now, there's no other gospel. Listen, there's no other chapter in John's gospel when Jesus is so direct and devastatingly clear in his message toward them. It's in this chapter And he clearly tells them that Satan is their father and that Satan is the one speaking through them. And the reason Jesus is being so direct is not because he's being mean, it's because he's a friend indeed. He doesn't want them to go to hell. Proverbs 27, verse 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. He continues to try and reach them because even though they hate him, he loves them. So things are really heating up, and Jesus is hitting them hard. In this chapter, Jesus reaches the climax of condemnation. Write that down. He reaches the climax of condemnation here in John chapter 8 because the Jews have come to the epitome of their rejection. They are ready to murder Jesus. As a matter of fact, Jesus hits them so hard. Look at fast forward to verse 59. Jesus hits them so hard, they are so mad, they pick up rocks and they start throwing them at them. And you know you're mad. When you start picking up stuff and just start to throw it at him. 
The Bible says Jesus disappears in the crowd. We left off in verse 36 last week. We pick up in verse 37 because if you've not been here, we're a Bible teaching church verse by verse. So we left off in verse 36. We pick it up in what verse? If you're looking at verse 37, say amen. I know, Jesus said, that you are... Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Did y'all get that? My father, your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were of Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, we weren't born of fornication. We have only one father, God. And Jesus said to them in verse 42, if God were your father, You would love him, for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he who sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my words. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks, he speaks what, saints? A lie because he speaks from his what? Own resources because he is a what? Liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? If I've done something wrong, tell me. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? And he who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. I've titled this sermon, Whose Child Are You? Verse 36 tells us, therefore, if he, the sons, makes you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Now in our text, listen, we are toward the end of the first century. It is about, if you're taking notes, about AD 90. John is writing this letter to people who are reading this letter with different eyes. They're reading with first century eyes, eyes of understanding. Jesus often uses the landscape to teach various lessons. I think of Jesus talking about sowing and reaping. I think of Jesus teaching about sheep and the shepherd relationship in the fields. Jesus talked about cultural stuff. They call that idioms, idioms. Well, listen, when Jesus talked about truth, that was an idiom. That was cultural stuff. The rabbis taught that if you take the yoke of the law or the Torah or the first five books of Moses, you shall be free indeed. If you refuse the yoke of the law, then you will come under bondage. If you refuse the yoke of the kingdom, that means that God is going to set up his kingdom and you're going to have to face the fact that his judgment will be on your life. The Greek philosophers talked about true freedom So talking about truth and freedom in Jesus' day was a common thing. So Jesus comes along and says, if you abide in my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We talked about it, didn't we? Truth and freedom comes from knowing God's word. 
I need more than two people to say amen. And specifically, freedom comes from abiding in God's word. Look at verse 31. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall what? Know the truth. Come on, y'all read it with me. You shall what? Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, remember last week we talked about in verse 33, they said, we are Abraham's seed, and we have never been in bondage to any man. And of course, I told you they had short memories, didn't they? Because they've been in bondage to the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Assyrians, and currently they're in bondage to Rome. They thought because they had racial security because of Abraham, that 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 put them in right standing with God. Abraham is only good if you believe in God. Nobody gets a blessing because you're of a certain race. And not only were they always in bondage, but they were always, listen, in incredible bondage because they they had the law of God. They had taken the laws of Moses And the laws of Moses, they had 600, write it down, 613 precepts, and they added layer after layer after layer, from the Talmud to the Mishnah and the Haggadah. There were 39 different ways you could break the Sabbath, and 39 ways you could do each of the 39. They were very complicated in bondage. There was no freedom at all. So when they say, we have not been in bondage, that's not true. They were always in bondage and never free. Are you getting me? And Jesus said, if the son, Jesus makes you free. I love that. You shall be free indeed. Were you with us? Pick up the CD if you weren't. Look at verse 37. Jesus agrees with the point. Watch this. Jesus agrees with the point that they are the offspring of Abraham. And Jesus says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, and yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. You are physical descendants of Abraham, but you are anything but spiritual descendants of Abraham because you're trying to kill me and my word has no place in you. Now, Romans chapter 9, write it down. Paul talks about the Israelites, and he says that they have been given adoption. You read this in your own time. They've been given adoption, that they have been given the covenant that they have been given the law, that they've been given the service of God, which was a privilege. Are y'all listening? That they have been given the promises of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ came through their lineage, etc., etc. Well, then in Romans 9, 6, I have it for you on the screen. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are of what? Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of who? Abraham, but in Isaac your seed shall be called. In other words, Jesus is making it clear just because you're descendants of Abraham does not guarantee you anything. Actually, it brings responsibility because the more you know, the more you're accountable for. The more God gives you, the more God expects you to give back. Just because you're descendants biologically doesn't mean you're descendants spiritually, inwardly, And by faith, look at verse 37. You're going to love this. Jesus says, my word has no place in you. The word has no place means, write this down, to make advance or to progress. It literally means to depart from somewhere or leave there. Jesus is saying, it's obvious that you're not true spiritual children of Abraham because my word makes no advances in you. 
it makes no progress. I think of the seed and the sower. The seed fell on different types of soil. You know the story, don't you? And some fell on dry ground, some fell on rocky ground, some seed fell on fertile soil, and it took root and it began to germinate, and roots go down and it continues. Verse 37, Jesus is saying, that's your problem. My word isn't germinating. It's not making any advances. It isn't taking root. It stays where it is. And that's why you want to kill me, because my word finds no place in you. And don't you see that as a problem in the church today? The word isn't making any advances. The word isn't making any progress or taking hold. And honestly, you know, it can be quite discouraging sometimes. You know, Satan knows how to discourage you. Everybody should be saying amen right there because I think everybody in this room has been discouraged at least once. And Satan knows how to discourage you. And for me, I think I feel discouraged um, when... Like I've been feeling discouraged like the last couple of days because I, I don't, I don't, I don't like all this financial stuff. I just don't like it. It's not me. I don't, uh, it's not that I don't care about it. It's a necessary evil. The bills have got to be paid. We need cool air. Amen. That's why I became a Christian, by the way. You'll get that on the way home. But I just, you know, you know, and then I feel like, you know, sometimes, you know, you're preaching and you're studying and, you know, I, I, I take God's word serious. I don't, um, I don't ever come to the pulpit not having had spent time with God. Never. And I'm not boasting and I'm not bragging and I don't, I don't think everybody ought to do it like I do it. What you do is between you and God. I'm just saying for me. I feel I need to spend time in the presence of God to get a word from God so that I can come and give a word to you. And yes, we have a lot of words right here, but I can tell you what, you can preach, you can have the best sermon written on a piece of paper uh, that's ever been written, but if God's Holy Spirit doesn't anoint those words, then they fall on deaf ears. So you need the anointing. Am I right about that? And that's what I'm praying for. And sometime as I'm studying the word of God and, you know, and now you're dealing with the finances and we've got to talk about all that stuff, you know, I, sometimes ministry can feel really alone. You can feel really alone and you can feel all by yourself. And you start thinking, you know, I got, you know, the bills don't get paid. They're going to call me. They're not calling anybody else. They're going to call me. And Satan tries to use all that to discourage you. But you know what? I've learned this, and I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've learned this. That when Satan discourages you, God knows how to step in right on time. Am I right about that? I, I can't believe that's the best clapping y'all can do. I just said God can step in right on time. And he always does. 
And so I'm feeling discouraged, and I'm just like, oh, you know, I just all this and going on in the church and so on and so forth. And and then last Wednesday night, you know, I, I was out in the cafe talking to Pastor Matt, and this, this guy was standing there talking with us as well. And he may be here right now. I don't know. And, um, and just a couple of weeks before, as I understand it, him and Pastor Matt were talking, and I guess they were Panera or something like that, and Pastor Matt was trying to tell him about the things of the gospel, and this guy, he was just not hearing it. This guy was antagonistic. He doesn't believe it. He's not hearing it. I don't want to hear about it. Just really, and, and Pastor Matt even told me he walked away feeling like, this guy, there's no hope. This guy is gone. Well, then last week, if you come out on Wednesday night, you know we go verse by verse. Well, for new people, we teach from the New Testament, usually on Sunday morning, and from the Old Testament on Wednesday night. So we're going through uh, 1 Samuel. So I'm teaching from 1 Samuel. Uh, this was not last week, but the week before. I'm teaching from 1 Samuel. And you know, 1 Samuel is not one of those evangelical pa- passages of Scripture. 1 Samuel is, you know, uh, King Agag, you know, uh, uh, Samuel uh, uh, hacked up King Agag and, and, and put, him in a, put his body in a to-go box and sent him home, you know. And it's not one of those evangelical texts. And I'm teaching the Word of God, and all of a sudden, and, and, and I'm told later, this guy, the same guy that Pastor Matt was talking to, who he felt was hopeless, was in the overflow room by himself. I'm teaching about King Agag, and he got all, you know, Samuel's hacked up King Agag, and it was bloody, you know, great story for kids at night. And, uh, you know, and it's bloody and blah, 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 blah. And the, the guy told me that he was in that room back there by himself, I'm teaching from 1 Samuel 15, and he said the Holy Spirit came in that room and touched him. And I was so blessed. I mean, I'm talking to this guy at the cafe, and he's telling me, he's, he's you know, he's telling me, he's like, I can't believe it. He, he just said, I can't talk about it. He started crying. I can't talk about it. And he, he said, I just felt like scales and blindness moved my eyes. And I, I know what he's talking about because, honestly, 30 years ago, the same thing happened to me. And, and it, it, he said the scales, he said, I felt like the scales were moving. And, and God saved me. He's so excited. He's just like, you know, and that encouraged me. And, and it encouraged me to say, you know what, Rodney, listen. Somebody's listening. And the word of God is making a difference. And you might not be able to see it sometimes. But don't be discouraged because God's word is making a difference. And of all the sermons that I would have thought somebody would have got saved on, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been the one about getting hacked up. Let the church say amen. But God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, says the Lord. So Jesus says in our text, I know that you are Abraham's seed or descendants. You are not children of Abraham because children of Abraham are born of faith. You are Abraham's descendants born biologically. Abraham's children are Abraham's spiritual seed. And if you were of Abraham's seed, you would receive me. So it's proof that you're not genuine spiritual seed of Abraham because you hate me, the one that Abraham looked to. Fast forward to verse 56. If you were of Abraham, you would be happy because Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Look at verse 38. Jesus says, the reason you don't recognize me is because I speak that which I've seen with my father and you do that which you've seen with your father. 
Now it's a principle that the child speaks the language of his father. And the problem with the Jews was that they had a different father than Jesus. Therefore, they didn't understand his language. Jesus said, I came from God. I know God's mind. I speak God's language. I talk God's truth. I do God's will. I represent God. Therefore, you don't get it because your father speaks a different language. Jesus is saying to them, you don't recognize me because you are not from God. Notice really quickly, Jesus says, my father and your father. That tells us what? We're not all children of God. We hear a lot of talk about the universal brotherhood of man and the universal fatherhood of God. The Bible is clear. We aren't all children of God. We're all God's creation, but we're not all children. In order for you to be a child of God, wake up, listen. In order for you to be a child of God, you've got to experience the new birth. Nick, you must be born again. This is what brings you into the family of God. They said in verse 39, look at it. Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. And I can hear Jesus saying, yes, Abraham is your physical father, but not your spiritual father. If you're children of Abraham, you do the works that Abraham did. Well, then what did Abraham do? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for anybody know righteousness. You know it. Abraham had faith. Abraham received divine visitations. Abraham walked with God and Abraham trust God. And Abraham was obedient when God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Abraham was a man of grace. These people are people of works. And you know the story, don't you? Acts chapter 7, read it in your own time. The Bible tells us the God of glory appeared to Abraham when he was an idol-worshiping Gentile in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, Mesopotamia, modern-day Babylon, Iraq. Abraham was not a Jew. Abraham was a Gentile. Abraham was an idol-worshiping Gentile, and God appeared to him and won his heart. Genesis 12, God said, get thee out and get thee unto. Get thee out of the land you live in and get thee unto the land that I will show you. By faith, Abraham willingly obeyed God. You know the story. Abraham rented a U-Haul and packed it up, and the Bible says that Abraham was a sojourner. That word sojourner literally means a resident alien a resident alien. In other words, Abraham never put down roots on earth. When Abraham died, he didn't own a thing. Did you know that? When Abraham died, he didn't own a thing. He never owned a house. He never owned a timeshare at Hilton Head. They're nice. Not that I have one, I've been there. He didn't have investments or retirement. He had nothing to leave his kids, which I totally agree with. <laughs> Amen. I love that. Love to see that little bumper stick. I know some of y'all disagree. Just don't stop me and on the walkway and go, ah. I say spend it all now, parents. <laughs> spend it all. I love that bumper sticker that says, on a BMW, it's on a really nice car usually, BMW 700 series, really nice car. It says, this is my grandkids' inheritance or something like that. Don't you love that? I'm like beeping like, 
love it. He never owned anything. The only piece of property that Abraham owned was in Hebron. He bought a burial plot for his wife, Sarah, at Machpelah. Romans chapter 4, verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Romans 4 makes it clear that Abraham's righteousness did not come from his own good works, but from his belief in God. Now, I love to tell you this. Listen, two things characterize Abraham's life. Write it down. A tent and an altar. A tent and an altar. Wherever Abraham went, he pitched a tent and he built an altar. The tent defined his relationship with the world. The altar defined his relationship with the next world. A tent is to say this is temporary. An altar is to say, while I'm here, I think I'll worship. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.